0: Hi, my name's Paul Grogan and welcome to episode 4 of the all-new Gaming Rules podcast. This podcast is an audio version of the Gaming Rules live Q&A that was run in August 2021. If you prefer to watch this on YouTube, that video is already there, but a number of people asked me to create this as a podcast, and this is only made possible with the financial support of my Patreon campaign. So a huge thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making this possible, and if you like the content that I create, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now... On with the show. Right I think we're live. Good evening everybody or good afternoon wherever you are. Thank you very much for joining me. As always please let me know if you can hear me and see me. And welcome to the Gaming Rules Live Q&A for August 2021. We have no chat on screen. It did this last time. Oh there we go, the chat's appeared. Yeah for some reason the chat doesn't appear uh, until I switch to this scene. Um, yeah right so the way that tonight is going to go is we're going to be here for about an hour and a half going to be answering all of the questions that I've been asked in advance. So regular viewers of mine will know that there is a Board Game Geek guild. um, And I normally post a few days before this live Q&A on the guild and ask for people to ask questions in advance do that for two reasons. The first one is a lot of people can't make it to the actual live show. So I want them to have the opportunity to be able to ask me questions. But also it's nice to get some questions in advance because I'm not very good at answering questions on the fly, as regular viewers will know. Um, so by getting the questions in advance I've taken about an hour uh, an hour off this afternoon in order to have a think about the answers that I would give to those. I'm going to be giving in the way £25 of uh, vouchers from GamesLaw. So yeah, stay tuned for that. I'm also going to be talking about the new Gaming Rules podcast. I'm going to be talking about uh, what's going on this weekend, all sorts of things. But yeah, thank you very much to everybody for joining me in the chat. Let's move on over to some of the questions that I've been asked in advance. Before we do, I do mention the guild. Every every live Q and A that I do and every vlog that I do, I do have a guild. It's on Board Game Geek, uh, and it's not just my guild; it's your guild. You are more than welcome to post anything there. Uh, please don't use the news thread. The news thread is for stuff that I normally post but if you have anything that you want to talk about on there uh, feel free to post stuff. Uh, there's not that much traffic on there so if you're not a member of the guild please go on to Board Game Geek. Vicky's going to put a link in the chat now. Uh, you just need to subscribe, uh, you need to join it and then you need to subscribe otherwise you won't get any notifications. Right so first question is from Monica. In fact Monica's got a few questions but this is the first one and I think Monica's actually in the chat. First question is for Monica, uh, and Mark has also asked a similar question, so I've bunched these two together. Monica asks, how many plays does it take for me to choose whether I like a game or not? Could I name one game that I didn't like after the first play, and one game that I did like after the first play, but didn't like after some more plays? Uh, and Mark says he's found that playing a game five times gives him a better handle on rating a game. How many times do I play a game prior to give it a rating? Now I know there is a train of thought amongst some reviewers that you need to play a game a certain number of times before you review it. Or before you even give it a rating, because otherwise it's not fair. Um, and to be honest I, I half agree with that. Okay, If I play a game and I really don't like it from my first play, then with all of the games that are available these days, and so many games that I've got to be played, What's the point of me going back to it if I initially don't like it? Now it could be that I didn't like it because of a certain reason and I give it another chance by going back to it at a future time. For example Spirit Island. My first experience of Spirit Island was horrible. um, And that nearly put me off the game. But that wasn't down to the fact that the game wasn't good. That was down to the experience that I had playing the game for the first time. So imagine this. Four people playing Spirit Island for the first time, learning from the rulebook. And I'll be honest with you, the rulebook for Spirit Island isn't very good, and I don't think I would ever play it at even three players, let alone four now. So it was a horrible experience. Spirit Island is now one of my favourite games. It's now probably my favorite cooperative game. It's fantastic. So yeah, that was a game which uh, I didn't like at first, but that wasn't because of the game itself. Games that I didn't like at first. I mean, I've told the story about the Pathfinder Adventure Card game many, many times. Um, and I now love that game. Mainly because the second edition fixes some of the issues I had with the game. But only some of them. It's because my tastes have changed uh, over time. Um, and if I was to pick a game which I liked at first, Halital. Um Now, I keep meaning to go back to Halatau because when I first played it, I thought this is fantastic. Loved it. Played it a second time. Thought this is still fantastic. Played it a third time and went, I'm bored of this now. Um, and i need to go back to it again to see if my feelings after the third game are the feelings that i'm going to have at which point the game can move on some people have said that their feelings match what my feelings are and other people have said oh no it's it's not as boring as you might think um yeah so on on to mark's question playing a game five times before you get a better handle on the game yeah i mean to be honest if i play the game and i don't like it i'm unlikely to want to play it again, there are certain exceptions. Um, But if I play a game and I like it, I, and and going back to Monica's original question, how long does it take for me to play a game or how many plays does it take before I know whether I like it or not? For me, probably one. Is playing a game once a a fair time to rate it? Probably not. You probably do need to play it three or four times because, um, and going off at a bit of a tangent now, and I was gonna try and keep this Q&A short and sweet because we've got other things to do tonight um but going off at a bit of a tangent and i might explore this at some point in one of my uh vlogs is there are so many games that i have which are massively replayable because they are massively variable and i'm talking about games like um too many bones is one of them and there's another game that i played last week where i talked about the variability being through the roof and i can't remember what it was Maybe it was Too Many pounds. but there are other games like that which I could play. Oh, Spirit Island. It was Spirit Island. Um, I could play Spirit Island a hundred times, and I would not get bored of it because there's so much content in there, there's so much variability, and there's so much replayability. There are other games which I own which I think are a 9 out of 10 game. I absolutely love those games, but once I've played them five or six times, is there enough in them to keep me going back to them anymore? So yeah, Mark, it's a good question. How many times should you play the game before you rate it, because if I rated Halatau on my first play it would have been a nine. If I rate it right now, honest opinion, six and a half. So yeah. What about you? What about you in the chat? How many times do you feel you need to play a game, first of all, before whether you know whether you like it or not, is that one? And second of all, how many times uh, do you feel you need to play a game before you rate it on BGG? Because if you go in and rate a game after one play and then you change your mind after multiple plays, that's not fair. You can always update your rating. Anyway, next question. Yeah, let me know what you think about that. Um, so second question is, uh, also from Monica, have I ever played games with kids and if so which games? So I don't generally play games with kids. Um, it depends what age bracket you're talking about kids but I do remember because I don't really have much exposure to playing games with kids. Um, But I do remember playing Concept with Holly. Now how old was Holly? This is Vicky's niece. She must have been six or seven at the time Um, and we played Concept with her. Now if you haven't played Concept go and look it up on BoardGameGeek. It is definitely a game that you can play uh, with younger people and she really enjoyed it. So yeah, I don't have much exposure to playing games with uh, kids. If you're talking about playing games with Older kids, like, you know, between sort of 10, 12 and 14 year olds, something like that. Um, I've, I've done a bit more of that because there are some really smart kids that I've played games with. Um, some friends of ours, um, yeah, Sa- Sally's son, played a couple of games with him. And he's it's just the same as playing games with anybody else, really, because he's, he's a smart kid and he's, he's switched on. So, yeah, it does depend. Right, next question is from Marwood. What central game mechanism do I think is be, isn't is being used to its full potential? Now this is a really good question, but I'll tell you now, I don't think I'm going to be able to answer this. Is there a game mechanism that I think could be better implemented than it has thus far, or has it been implemented excellently in a game that didn't get enough exposure? Now if there was a game mechanism which is popular but it hasn't been implemented Uh, or I think it could be better implemented than I would have possibly gone on and done that or made some, you know, I'm not a game designer, I'm not good at creative ideas. What I will say is that deck building and worker placement, when they first came out, I mean deck building and worker placement, two of my favourite mechanisms, but deck building when it came out in Dominion, although some people say Starcraft came first, I personally think the deck building mechanism has moved on since Dominion, and I do not like the play all of the cards in your hand or lose them mechanism, for reasons that I've gone into in my top 10 deck building games video. Whereas I love the twist on deck building games that games like Aeon's End have put in place, where you don't have to play all of the cards in your hand, therefore you can save them from one turn to the next so you can save the combos, and in Aeon's End your discard pile never gets shuffled. So the order in which you put things in your discard pile, when your deck's empty you flip your discard pile over. Those tweaks I think are brilliant um i also like the idea that in some games you can reserve cards you can put them to one side and, and get them back later on and a few deck building games have done that worker placement as i say calus was one of the first worker placement games that came out which is very very simple one worker per, per space go round clockwise put your worker on a space nobody else can use it but worker placement has also come a long way um, you can have worker placement where it locks up your worker for a turn or you need to use more than one worker Uh, or you can outbid people by going there's lots of variations on worker placement which are all very clever going back to the original question as i say i don't think i can answer it i don't think that there is a central game mechanism which isn't being used to its full potential i mean there probably is but i can't i can't pick one but this is my second question for the chat Um, and if you're not watching this live if you're watching this afterwards then uh, you know Feel free to put your answers in the chat, or I might start a thread on the Board Game Geek Guild with some of these questions, uh, you know. But yeah, is, is there a game mechanism out there that you think, oh, I really like this game mechanism, but it just isn't being used to its full potential? Interested to see what other people think. Uh, another one that I really like is, is dice drafting. But to say, is it being used to its full potential? I think so many games have done dice drafting really well. I don't know how they would go beyond that. But as I say, I'm, I'm not a designer. Well technically I am, but that's another story. Right, Andrew says, what was the last game to surprise me in a nice way? So Andrew, what I did this afternoon, I printed off, uh, well I didn't print off, I, I ran a report on BGG of all of the games that I've played this year. So that's in the last eight months, and I went through them all, and I'm taking your question literally, surprise. Because there's a lot of games on there which I played and I really enjoyed, like, Takenu. Was I surprised that I really enjoyed it? No, because all my patron supporters on the Slack channel said, Paul, you're gonna love this game. So it wasn't a surprise that I liked the game. Um, even if we look at The Magnificent. Now, the first time I played The Magnificent, I said, This game is fantastic. And I've now played it three or four times, and it is fantastic. Was that a surprise to me? It wasn't really a surprise because. Everybody I know who's played The Magnificent has said it's a great game. Um, So there's two that I can think of, and one of them I think I actually played last year, to be fair. Um, But that's Tapestry um, from Stonemaier Games, because I went into Tapestry expecting a mediocre game that actually wasn't that enjoyable. Now, I know a number of you out there, a number of you watching this will probably think that Tapestry is not a great game and it is a bit mediocre, but I really enjoyed it to the point where I've now played it three or four times and I will happily play it again. Uh, And I can't wait for the implementation on Board Game Arena because yeah, Tapestry I really like. Another game that I was a little surprised about is Wildlands Ancients. Now, without going into a side tangent about Wildlands, because I have lots of opinions on Wildlands, and about the fact that I think the base game of Wildlands is flawed and doesn't work, If you're a fan of Wildlands then you know sorry but I don't think it works. Wildlands Ancients turns it into a solo game or a cooperative game and for me fixes all of the problems that I had mechanically with Wildlands Um, and it was really good. So much that this is one of those games which is paining me because I want to play it more uh, and I just don't have the time to play all of the games that I want to play but Wildlands Ancients definitely a game I want to play again and I've only played it solo uh, and it plays cooperatively so Hopefully that answers the question. Uh, oh there's another question from Monica. Um, do I get a song stuck in my head for playing a game? So occasionally yes, but it's generally not related to the game. It's generally if um, we've been watching something on TV and I saw, or I've heard something on the radio, not that I really listen to the radio, um, and a song gets stuck in my head. I don't listen to that much music, um, but it, yeah, when it happens it's generally not related to the game itself. Right, Mindy is asking me a question. And for those of you who are playing the drinking contest, get ready to take your first drink. Um, Mindy has asked, what are my impressions of the new Osprey game that I played last week? So Osprey Games contacted me about doing some work for them professionally. And one of the games that Osprey are going to be publishing at some point in the future, I don't know when, is a game called Crescent Moon. Now, if you look this game up on BGG, you will find a BGG entry for it. because the designers of Crescent Moon have put it up there but everything that you read about it on the BGG page well not everything, but if you look at the pictures of it that's their prototype they have approached Osprey Games, Osprey Games have signed the game and Osprey Games are developing the game and working on the rulebook and I'm working with Osprey Games or I have worked with Osprey Games I'm not not the rulebook editor um, but I have been a rulebook consultant so basically what I did is I tried playing the game from the existing rulebook in a private live stream with Osprey Games highlighting verbally to them all of the problems that I was having with the rulebook. Then they went away for two weeks, redid the rulebook, came back to me, we did another test where I went through the rulebook again, and then I ran uh, a blind play test for my patron supporters. So five of my patron supporters got together, well it turns out it was actually seven, but it's a five player game, um, five of them got together last week and facilitated by myself and Osprey Games. They played the game uh, using the rulebook to test to see if it works in answer to your question i can't answer it because i'm professionally involved in games so i can't give my opinion on the game um, but feel free to talk to the patron supporters on the slack channel who did play the game they can give their opinion on it um, as as much as they want but yeah I'm, I'm professionally involved in it i mean i'm not now i've done my work on it and it is now back with osprey games um, for those of you who don't know what the game is i can tell you the facts about it it is a four or five player asymmetric game with area control, conflict and, I think I can say this because this is true, very interesting interactions between the players. For example, one of the players is the Nomad. The Nomad has loads and and loads of mercenary units. The other players can buy or hire mercenaries and when they do they actually hire them from the other player. So there's a lot of negotiation going on in the p- between the players. In, like, oh, well, I want to hire some mercenaries from you. Oh, OK, well, I- I'll sell you them for this amount of money, kind of thing. So there's a lot of player interaction, four or five player asymmetric game that should take a couple of hours to play. There you go. Right. Next question Of the games that I have currently got rule books in development, which one intrigues me the most? Bearing in mind, I am professionally involved in this so please don't take my uh, reply to this question as endorsement of the game. But right now it has to be ISS Vanguard. And that's possibly because I've hardly slept in the last 48 hours because I've been working on the rulebook for ISS Vanguard. But the reason why it intrigues me the most is ISS Vanguard, and for those people who have backed the game you will already know this because you will already have seen all of the updates and you may have watched some videos, but ISS Vanguard is doing something that other games haven't done before in terms of there's like a ship binder you you get a binder with the game it's like a ring binder and you're going to be putting things in the binder and in the binder there's dividers and there's card protector sleeves and you get cards and you slot them in you've got this living campaign game it's not a legacy game because nothing's getting destroyed nothing's getting stickered nothing's getting written on but you actually And I don't know any other game that's used um, the card pocket dividers. I could show you, but I've got the box over there. Um, So it intrigues me in that this game is exploring the boundaries of what you can do within a game. And I think that's really good. It's being very creative. And I, I want to see more games be more creative like that. So yeah, that's the one that's intriguing me at the moment. Which am I most looking forward to playing myself when I'm not professionally involved in it, but when I'm actually sitting down and going to play it? Uh, And that's probably two of them. One of them is ISS Vanguard. More from a, this all looks really cool and I now want to play this to see how this would actually play. Plus, me and Vicky played through Tainted Grail and the story and the narrative in Tainted Grail were fantastic. And this is from the same team. So I... You know, there's a big part of me which is the hardcore cube pushing Euro game player, which I will always love. But there is another part of me which is loving these narrative games and the story that they tell. So ISS Vanguard is going to have that. But the other game that I'm really looking forward to is Frostpunk, um, which I'm professionally involved in, but I love the Frostpunk setting. I love the computer game. The board game is one of my most anticipated games when it comes out, and it, it looks fantastic and Yeah, we're still working on the rulebook at the moment but I definitely am looking forward to playing that one when it comes out. Have there been any instances where I've worked on a rulebook for a game that didn't appeal to my gaming tastes? Yes, absolutely. Uh, And how do I decide which rulebooks to take on as projects? So when Gaming Rules was formed seven years ago? Seven and a half years ago? Something like that. um, I'd left my full-time career Um, and I set up gaming rules I will be honest with you I took on every bit of work that I was offered because at the time I needed to because (laughs) I didn't have enough work to do. It turns out I did have enough work to do but I was taking on a lot of projects you know it was a new career it was all exciting I was getting all of these offers uh, for various bits of rulebook work that I that I took on and I'm not going to name any games but some of those games went on to fizzle, crash and burn, get rated a three or a four on BGG, got a thousand copies, nobody's playing it again, and the game's dead. Right? Some of the games that I did rule books for were not very good games. But I didn't pick and choose at that time, it was just Paul we'd like you to edit our rule book, we agreed a price, and I went and I did the work. I am in a very different situation now. The situation I'm in now is that I'm cutting down on the amount of work I take on, and therefore, I can be more selective of the games that I am taking on. So, when they approached me to work on Frostpunk, I was like, absolutely 100% yes, because it's one of my favorite computer games of all time. When they approached me to work on ISS Vanguard, I said yes, because I'd already seen some bits about the game. Um, and also, Awakened Realms, I think this is fair to say, Awakened Realms have a bit of a reputation that their rulebooks aren't great. Now, I have the opportunity here. To help Awaken Realms change their company reputation. Let's say for example I hope the rulebook for ISS Vanguard is brilliant and I hope people who've backed the game get ISS Vanguard and go wow this is so much better than all of their other rulebooks. I really hope that. Not just because they will then hire me to do their next rulebook, if they do great, but I like good stories, and it was exactly the same with Portal games. Portal games had a reputation for terrible rulebooks. I then worked with them for a couple of years, and during those couple of years, as a company, they their reputation for having bad rulebooks started to fade away because they'd done some good rulebooks. And I and I like that. I like make, making things better for other people. As I say, not not being selfish and hoping to get more work from it because I don't need the extra work. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 being more selective of which rulebook work I take on. Thierry wants to know: Will I be attending Essen this year? That is a very good question because until last week, the answer was 100 percent yes. Now I'm not sure. Uh, I am in. I am having doubts about whether to attend Essen for various reasons, uh, which I which I won't go into here um, in detail. But I'm getting a bit nervous and having some second thoughts so yeah i'm not sure if i will be go to, going to Essen um, i have planned that i'm sharing a room with Hilmar and Hilmar has said that i can let him know middle of September so within the next two or three weeks i will be making a decision on whether i'm going to Essen or not. Brian wants to know <clears throat> oh yeah yeah we've, we've had enough discussion about board games now let's get on to the most important topic but before we do before we do let's do a couple of things first of all the contest each month in one of these live in a live QA, uh, I do a, a contest. Vicky is going to post a link right now in the chat. This is a con- this is a Google form. And if you're watching this video either live now or you're watching this afterwards, you can click on that link and you can enter the contest. The secret word is jungle. Uh, and if you get the secret word correct, which you will, um, and the reason why it's jungle, I'll explain later. Um, that is the secret word and if you are a patron supporter please let me know on that form and basically everybody gets entered into the contest if you are a patron supporter you get entered twice and then just before next month's live q and I will do the draw and somebody's gonna win 25 pounds worth of games vouchers from games law. Now last month's Q&A uh, got entered by 90 people uh, and I did the draw earlier on today and I'm just having a look to see if the winners in the chat and I don't think the winner is in the chat because he's currently on holiday. And this is Jim Alderson. So congratulations, Jim. If you do get around to watching or listening to this, uh, you have won £25 worth of games vouchers from Games Law. I'll drop you an email later on as well. So yeah, congratulations, Jim. And to enter the contest, all you need to do is, is click on the link in the form. Um, yeah. Good luck, and thank you very much to Games Law for, for giving me the vouchers. Right, so on to the important questions. Brian Robson says, if I was to replace. The BGG one to ten rating scale with biscuits instead of numbers. Which biscuits would I place in positions one to ten? Bearing in mind that Jaffa Cake is a cake and not a biscuit. Now, Brian, you're asking me to list my top ten biscuits. I don't know if you know, Brian, how much stress and anxiety I have over about making top ten lists. It normally takes me about three days to come up with the top ten list. So I'm not going to give you a top ten list. What I am going to do is I'm going to list off some of my favourite biscuits: chocolate hobnobs. Uh, bourbons, custard creams, what else do I really like ginger nuts, Vicky likes ginger nuts I mean I love ginger so ginger nuts should probably be on there see I'm not a big fan of jammy dodgers Vicky likes jammy dodgers I'm not a big fan um, so that, that's some of them it's, it's not it's not ten but it's a few um, speaking of biscuits I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna jump forward now to Phil's question because Phil has a biscuit related question. He said, what are my favoured biscuits for dunking in tea or coffee? Or am I not a dunker? Now, I am a dunker. In fact, I dunk everything in my cups of tea. Um, I love toast dunked in a cup of tea. I just love it, it's great. Yeah, so I I dunk pretty much every biscuit in a cup of tea. Um, Yeah, are you a dunker or not? Let Let me know in the chat. Oh, Viscount says Brett in the chat. Yeah, I do like Viscounts. Yeah, definitely mint Viscounts. The orange ones, not so much, but definitely the mint ones. That would definitely be up there in the top 10. Um, Lone Jedi says no to dunks. No, no, no. Absolutely, absolutely dunk everything. Yeah, dunk every biscuit. Right, on to the game-related questions again. Questions from Mick. Which co-op game does the best job of mitigating against uh, quarterbacking, alpha gaming, whatever you want to call it? um spirit island i will mention spirit island again i think spirit island does a good job of that um mainly because for me i have enough going on in a game of spirit island to worry about or to be able to even give advice to other players right the only bit of thing in in spirit island where i c- it could possibly be seen as quarterbacking is more luke don't you have an ability that moves the Darhan into this area, oh yes I do, well if you do that I've got an ability that does like 17 damage if there's three of them, oh great right it's not really telling him what to do it's more you know making suggestions or something like that but I think Spirit Island does a very good job of preventing the quarterbacking um, because there's just simply so much going on for one player at a time. I also think Gloomhaven does a very good job of it in the way that you're not allowed to discuss certain specific things Um, so you you can discuss general ideas of oh I'm going to go over there and I'm going to be going early-ish but you can't actually discuss absolutely everything so it does lead to this unpredictability Um, and players are making their own choices in the game. Now you could say is anybody able to go over here and kill this goblin you know early on because you know things like that but you can't actually really be telling people what to do. Um, But again this is another question for you watching in the chat now, oh yeah penguins I forgot about penguins. Love penguins or Tim Tams as they are in um, Australia. Uh, yeah, they're really nice as well. So yeah, what what cooperative game do you think does a good job of preventing the quarterbacking problem? I'd, either let me know live in the chat or let me know by leaving me some comments on the video. Um is Jim here? Jim is here. Jim's in the chat and he's won. There you go, congratulations. Um, next question. Which games do I think belong in the discussion for the most underrated games and why do I think they are underrated? So I actually have a few. Um, And what I did is I I, again, I looked at BGG, I sorted my entire collection by my rating and compared it to the general geek rating. And there's a lot of games which I've rated like a 9 out of 10 where the general rating seems to be between 6 and 7. So for me that would class it as an underrated game. Um Stauffer Dynasty, Dynasty, I think he's brilliant. Uh, Licita, I think he's really good. League of Six, I think he's really good. Crown of Amara, uh Royal Palace or Palais Royal, Mycorinos, Assyria, that's just a few. I could probably give you about 50 games at least, which I think are underrated. In other words, games which I think are eight and a half or nine out of ten or higher. Uh and nobody plays them, nobody talks about them, and yeah, I've got I've got loads of them. There's lots of underrated games. That's the next question, if you're watching this, let me know your underrated game. We've got so many discussions we could have on BGG. Right, we've done the fill question. Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth is asking, what is my favourite board game named after a city? I would have to say Kalos, but I don't know whether Kalos is a city. I think it's probably a town, but I'm gonna say Kalos anyway. Uh, and what is my favourite city? That also has a board game named after it. Again, feel free to answer these in the chat if you're if you're interested. Um, I don't I don't know whether I have a favourite city. I'm not really a city person, and I was trying to think of all of the cities that we've been to, and I don't really have a favourite one. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't have one. I can't answer that one. Um, Bruges says Chris Incal. See, Bruges is a good game, and I've not been to the city. But Bruges is going to be replaced by Hamburg, which I think is a better game. Um, Right, Jimmy wants to know, this is another good question. Have I ever noticed that live streaming a game affects how well I enjoyed the game? For better or for worse? If so, what are some examples and does it depend on what type of game it is, solo versus multiplayer? So, I'll be honest with you, live streaming a game adds quite a lot of stress and anxiety over and above what I would get if I was just sat playing a game. Okay now I'm not saying that's a problem because I like live streaming and I'm doing 10 live streams this week including this one but this one's a bit different because I'm not playing a board game but tonight I'll be playing Arkham Horror Living Card Game which is a live stream. So I will be absolutely 100% honest with you if People came around tonight and we sat down and we played the Arkham Horror Living Card game, and I didn't live stream it. I would probably enjoy it more than if I live streamed it. How much more? I'm not sure. Maybe 5%, maybe 10%. But doing a live stream of a game adds an extra level of stuff. First of all, there's a lot of extra preparation. I have to spend, you know, at least half an hour or an hour setting everything up, getting the lighting right, adjusting the levels of the microphone, then forgetting to adjust the levels of the microphone back, ready for the live Q&A, like I did at the start. So there's a lot of that. I wouldn't have to do that if it was just friends playing a game. Plus I've got to make sure the stream's going out, plus I've got to you know, keep an eye on the chat, which I don't mind. I love the live chat. I love talking to the people in the chat. Um. So yeah, so it's not that I don't enjoy it. I would always choose to live stream mainly because, and slight side tangent here, but for those of you watching this that are Patreon supporter of mine, um, you are basically funding my life. I am only able to do what I can do because of the support of the Patreon, and the Patreon support encourages me and wants me to do more live streams because people can then watch the videos. Um, So yeah, thank you very much for your support. That enables me to do it. On the other side of things, there are some games which I am live-streaming which I don't enjoy. Don't enjoy is the wrong word. Right, let's say I'm doing a live stream. We start doing the live stream, it's not going well. It's either not going well because we're hitting rules issues or I'm just really tired, right? If I start a game and suddenly I get really tired, I'm like, oh dear, I'm going to struggle here. And when I start to get tired, I start to get grumpy and irritable and, and sometimes it goes quite quick and then I look at it and I go oh my god we're on round two out of ten we're gonna be here for another three hours now this doesn't happen very often but sometimes I have done live streams which have been long live streams and half an hour in or an hour in I'm, I'm starting to flag if I was, and let's say it's a solo game right if that was a, if that was just me playing a solo game and I wasn't live streaming I could pack it away and go to bed or do something else. But I can't, because I'm live streaming it, and I've got to then carry on, and sometimes it, it, it is, yeah. But anyway, um, as I say, I don't want you to think that I don't enjoy doing the live streams, because I really do, do enjoy doing the live streams, um, but I can't do them without the support of the Patreon, because there's so much prep that go, goes into making them handy, right. Chris is asking a live question. This is a very good very good question Chris and thank you for mentioning this because I was going to mention this and then I completely forgot. When I'm live streaming because it takes a certain percentage of my brain power to manage the stream, look at the chat and everything else, I often am not able to actually concentrate on my game. So if the game is really complicated, and you've probably seen this, when I've done some live streams you probably think Paul's playing really badly. He's making really bad decisions. And it's, it, one of the factors is that I'm kind of hosting the stream. Um, and that means that depending on the game, I'm actually not playing very well. Whereas if you turned all the cameras off and I was just downstairs, I'd be like, right, I can just, I can just play this game. I can just concentrate. And I'm only human and I only have a certain amount of brain power. Um, and it's not that great. It's good at certain things, but it's not good at other things. Um, and this is this is possibly why I can't two-hand uh, a multiplayer solo game. My brain just can't cope with it. So yeah, there are certain games that I've done online where I've played it, and at the end of it, I wish I hadn't have played it. And this is why sometimes I have run a game, like when I did Mage Knight, and I just got people around, and I taught them how to play. And I didn't actually play it myself, because it was actually... A lot easier on me to not play the game at the same time. So yeah, good question Chris. Speaking of brain power, Joe Harrison's got a good question. Joe wants to know, when I'm working on several rule books at once, how do I remember the rules for each? And I will be absolutely honest with you, it's really hard. And a lot of my struggles with um, sleep and being exhausted and everything else is not from the physical nature of the work that I do, because I do very little physical, but the mental energy that I'm having to spend, okay I do two hours of Frostpunk, then I'll do two and a half hours on Endless Winter, then I'll do an hour on Weather Machine, then I'll do an hour on Batman, then I'll do a couple of hours on ISS Vanguard. How do I do that? I don't really, I mean I do because that's my my job, but it is mentally exhausting. Not only remembering the rules of these games, but remembering... What's the capitalization standards that we're using in this document? What about in this document? In in this game, you perform an action, but in this game you take an action, and I'm having to try and remember the writing style of all of these different rule books all at the same time. It is exhausting, and like I've said many times, don't ever do what I do. It's not good, it's not healthy. Um, and yeah, and I'm trying to cut down. I really am trying to cut down. So um, next question is from Jade Driver Car. New to the hobby. Welcome to the hobby. Uh, Having said that, you find that there are already some mechanisms in the games that you're drawn to. Oh sorry, there are already finite mechanisms in the type of games that you're drawn to, and fewer novel implementations of them. Okay, so I've not got any details other than that, but I know what you mean. There's worker placement, there's dice drafting, there's deck building. You know, we have a certain number of mechanisms that a lot of games have. Uh, and you've found that the games that you're drawn to, you are finding already that the similarities. Do I, as a very experienced gamer, I've been gaming a long time, find that if the theme is good, then you don't pay attention to how the game mechanisms work. So my honest answer to that, which regular viewers of mine will know, is absolutely not. For me, it doesn't matter how good the theme of the game is. You could you could say, Paul, I've got here a Dresden Files board game which is going to be as good as the Arkham Horror game and immerse you in the setting and you get to play Dresden and you get to do all of it, right? You could give me that game. The theme for me would be brilliant. Or you could give me a Star Wars game or a Lord of the Rings game. Or, or you know, I like so many themes. But if the game is rubbish, I'm not going to play it. I am, I am not going to play the game at all. Um, so I, I am a game mechanisms person. If there's a theme, brilliant, right? So for example, if you rethemed the Arkham Horror living card game to be the Dresden Files living card game, I would possibly enjoy it a bit more. Not to say that I don't like the Arkham Horror theme, I do, I love it, but the theme for me will make me enjoy a game better, but the theme alone will not make me enjoy a game. There are many games out there with themes which I might find interesting, but I'm never gonna play the game because I don't actually like the mechanisms of the game. Um, but, Jade Driver Cat says, "'This is the reason you'll buy or play a game "'aside from the social interaction which you love.'" Yeah, and to be honest, I'm, there are a number of people out there who will play games because the theme is good and they like hanging around with friends, even though they might not like the game. Me, I don't do that. I'm I'm too fussy. I don't... I've got 500 games that I enjoy playing. Why would I choose to play a game which the theme is good, even though I don't like playing the game, when I've got so many other games where I actually like the game? Yeah, I'm quite lucky in that respect. Right, Frederick, moving on. Uh, Frederick has said that he's noticed that I've been playing some war games recently, just like he has. Um, how come? So I think I've talked about this... I think I've talked about this in my video logs. Um, but there's, there's a few reasons. So for for um one of the reasons is when I when I got into gaming in the mid-80s, Hex and Counter War games were a thing, right? Now they still are a thing, but they are a niche hobby within, they're a niche part of a niche hobby. But hex and counter war games were to say they're more popular back then than they are now, we didn't have, back in the mid-80s, we didn't have the games that we have now, okay? So, hex encounter war games might be just as popular now or even more popular than they were back then. It's just we have all of these other games. What I'm saying is, there is only one games convention that I've been to in the last 20 years where anybody was playing a hex encounter war game. Okay? They're just not in the part of the hobby that I'm a part of. However, they were back in the 80s, and I've always had a little bit of a uh, an interest in them. And wanting to explore them and wanting to play them more. And since turning 50 I decided it was time to start doing the things that I've been wanting to do, even if I do them, and then tick them off the list and don't do them again. Okay? But I've been wanting to spend a bit of time exploring them. The other reason is, and, and moving on from Hex Encounter Wargames, because Nemo's War is not a Hex Encounter Wargame. Pavlov's House is not a Hex Encounter Wargame. Another thing which I have an interest in is historical simulations of things that actually happened from World War Two. I don't know why I've got that interest, but I do. Um, And the games from uh, David Thompson, Pavlov's House, um, Soldiers in Postman's Uniforms, things like that, they recreate a really interesting thing that happened during World War Two. So I, I like the fact that I'm expanding my knowledge about something that actually happened as well, as well as playing a game. Um, so Frederick is saying that it's far from what you used to seeing on gaming rules, That that is true, but to answer that I like to think of myself now as more of an omni-gamer, right? Ten years ago, if I had my YouTube channel ten years ago, you would have been seeing Cube pushing Euros, and, and that's all you would be seeing. Now on the channel you're seeing a wide variety of games, and if it weren't for um, spoilers and things like that you'd be seeing other narrative-based games. I'd be doing escape room games on the channel as well because I absolutely love playing escape room games or puzzle games. But I'm not doing them on the channel because I only generally play them with Vicky, and we're not going to do them again afterwards, and they're full of spoilers. So yeah, I do. I I, I I'd like to think that I do a wide variety of games. Um, I mean, if you yeah, if you look at the channel, if you look at some of the games that I've covered in the last six months, you can't get much different with with some of them. So. Um, Next question from Frederick. When I watch playthroughs, when I'm watching for fun or to pass the time, what kind of games do I enjoy? Yeah, no such thing I'm afraid. There is never a time when I actually have time to watch playthroughs. Um, So yeah, that that just doesn't happen I'm afraid. Uh, Is there any kind of games that are the easiest and more enjoyable to stream? So absolutely, definitely. Um, And if we take for example the game that I'm going to be live streaming this Friday. This Friday I'm going to be doing a live stream of the solo game of Anachrony using the new Chronosus bot. That is going to take me hours to prepare. Now it's going to be enjoyable, I'm going to enjoy it. But I've got help. One of my patron supporters, Stevie, he spent time this week learning the Chronosus bot and he's going to be playing it with me. So it is going to be a solo playthrough but the two of us are going to be playing together as one. That has taken a huge amount of pressure off me to learn what is potentially a complex AI because I don't really get on with complex AIs. They're very clever and I really respect and appreciate the work gone into them, but I, my brain can't handle them. So Stevie's helping me out with that. He's a lifesaver because if he didn't do that I wouldn't enjoy that playthrough. Doesn't matter how good the game is, I wouldn't enjoy that playthrough because it would be too hard work. Are there playthroughs which are easier and more enjoyable to stream? Yeah, definitely. And it really depends on the game and it depends on the complexity of the game. If we take tonight, for example. Tonight I'm going to be doing a live stream of Arkham Horror, the living card game. There's three of us here and it's going to be enjoyable. um, Because there's going to be people watching in the chat that are going to keep us honest with the rules. And it's going to be good. That is an easier stream to do than, say... A two-player game of Too Many Bones, where there will be people in the chat helping me with it, but Too Many Bones is a lot more of a complicated game. There's a lot more for me to think about. Right, Um, but Frederick is saying the leader series from DVG could make excellent streams. Yeah, so I do have a contact at DVG but I haven't got that. Right, the the contest. Somebody wants me to repeat the contest. Um, Vicky's going to post a link in the chat now. If you want to enter the contest, and you can do this if you're watching it live, or if you're watching this video afterwards, um, you just need to click on the link in the contest. What's really interesting, okay, I I tell you, last month we had 90 people enter the contest. 90. Last month's live Q&A had over a thousand views. Most of the people who entered the contest did so during this live broadcast. I can see right now we've got 93 viewers most of you watching this live now will enter the contest. I mean just it's very simple, just click on the link and fill in the things. The secret word is jungle. But what I'm saying is we've got about 100 people watching this live now, there will be approximately another 1,000 people who watch it in the next month. How many of that 1,000 people enter the contest? Usually about 20 people, which is not many, so I, I don't know why, but the contest is open to everybody. All you need to do is click on the link, put the put the secret word of jungle, uh, and that's it. You get entered, uh, and if you're a patron supporter, you get two entries instead of one. And I do the draw, and I'll do it just before next month's live Q and A. Right. Uh, oh, and the, the the games vouchers are from Games Law, so thank you very much to Games Law for giving me the twenty five pounds worth of games vouchers to give away. Right. Jim Alderson, winner of last month's live Q and A, has got a question: game for a plane, game for a train, and game for a car if you are a passenger. Uh, Through the ages using the app, on a train, through the ages using the app, and in a car as a passenger, through the ages using the app. There you go. Uh, I know that's a bit of a get-out clause, but that would be my go-to game in all of those three situations, is playing through the ages on an app, except in a car I'd probably get travel sick. Um, So one of the best games uh, that I think you can play in a car is a game that I came up with myself. Probably about 15 years ago, back in the day when I used to be driving to Essen. Um, maybe not 15 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. But back in the day, I used to be able to drive to Essen and back. It's like an eight hour an eight to nine hour journey. So on the way there, we basically made a game and it was called um, What is the Game? And what you do is you, it's basically it's the yes-no game. So play, the, the the person whose turn it is thinks of a game and then play the rest of the players in the car in clockwise order, proper game, Take it in turns to ask a question which can only be answered by yes or no, and then eventually somebody will guess what the game is and they take the next turn. It's a good way of killing time, and it's yeah, it's good fun. So you'll be saying like, you know, does it have a victory point track around the board? No. Right. Next player. Uh, is it a historical setting? Yes. Which means they get to ask another question. Basically you ask a question. If the answer is yes, you carry on going. Uh, Right, another question from Jim. What is my most frustrating game of all time, and why? Now, I've played a lot of bad games in the past, but when I look back at the games that I've been playing, certainly this year, I wouldn't have said any of them were bad or frustrating. It's, yeah, if you're talking about the the most frustrating game, There's one game that came to mind when I was thinking about this, and that is Fortress America. Now Fortress America is a game that came out initially in the 80s. It was part of a trilogy of games by MB Games I think. There was um, Shogun, which then got renamed to Samurai Swords, that I have a copy of in the attic. There was Axes and Allies, the classic, which I have multiple copies of around the house, and there was Fortress America. Now I have copies of Samurai Swords and Axes and Allies, I've played Axes and Allies a lot. I've played Samurai Swords probably about 10 times, back in in the 80s, early 90s. But Fortress America was the one that nobody seemed to have. Nobody I knew had really played it, but it was the third one in that trilogy. I don't know if it came out first or third. So I've always wanted to play it. I've always wanted to try it. Now Axes and Allies has a whole bunch of dice for combat, but I love Axes and Allies. I think it needs a couple of house rules to make it a bit less random. Samurai Swords is a bit too long, and again Dice for Combat, but I remember that being really good, whereas Fortress America I'd never played, so I assumed that it was in the same category as the others. And then X number of years ago, I can't remember how long it was, Fantasy Flight Games did a reprint of Fortress America. I was like, well brilliant, this has answered my, my, you know, I'm now gonna get a chance to play the game. And I'd heard that they hadn't changed the game. All they'd done is updated the components. So I managed to find a copy in a secondhand thing for 20 quid. 20 quid for the new version of Fortress America. So I got it and I read through the rules and then we tried playing it and it was one of the worst games that I have ever played in my life. And what was frustrating is this game be- belongs back in the 80s, in, in my opinion. If you're a fan of Fortress America let me know because I'm really not a fan. It was awful. This was a game which should have you know some of those games that came out in the 80s that were like oh okay we just do this and put this on the board and roll some dice that that's what it was it nothing in the game it, yeah it it was awful yeah i i i cannot if you are a fan of the game i would love to know why because i'm not saying i'm not i'm not just slating the game because for for no reason i'm slating the game because the four people that played that game all had exactly the same opinion about the game. And we're all experienced gamers and we all said there is nothing in this game to, to like. It is things come on the board, generally speaking on the turn of a card, then things move across the board, and then you roll dice for fighting each other and you repeat it. Now one player is America, and the other three players are attacking them, so it's a one versus many game. And the one player who's playing America is an active part of the game. But the other three players, the downtime is massive. So we can talk about this on the on the Game Rules Slack channel afterwards if, if, if anybody else has played it. So yeah, without me going into a, more of a rant about the game, that was frustrating, and I was more frustrated because I was expecting it to be at least a playable game. And for us, it, it definitely, definitely wasn't. I can see some people in the chat, do like, do like Fortress of Mary. As I say, I'd love to know why. I'd love to sit down and have a discussion, because I might be missing something about it. I really might. Okay, Monica asks a question. Imagine the scene. And the, I, I want you all just to take a moment and think about this question yourself, because this is a, a moral question. You're playing a cooperative game. Somebody has to take the bullet for the team. You can't take the bullet yourself, doesn't matter why, but you can't choose you. But you can choose between one of two other players, right? Somebody who's got one life left, but they have a special ability that might save them. Or another player who has plenty of life left, but the one hit might kill them. Which would you choose, and why, and you're not allowed to discuss it with any of them beforehand. So which would you choose? Person A, who only has one life point left, but they have a special ability which might mean that the bullet bounces off, or person B, who has loads of life left, but they have a weakness that it might kill them straight away. So for me, once everybody else has given their answers, for me, I wouldn't view it as a anything other than a mathematical question. If it was 50-50 I would flip a coin. I, I literally would flip a coin. I I wouldn't. I mean, I do. I I flip coins or I make decisions randomly in ga- in games anyway. Where where it, it is fifty-fifty, I w- I would basically flip a coin. Um, if it was more one side than the other, then I would go with that side. So if it if it was 60-40, I'd go with the I'd go with the 60. So that's what I'd do. But it is an interesting. An interesting question. Um, yeah, and I'm curious to what other people think. How many of you would flip a coin if it was 50-50? Or would you actually make a decision yourself? Right. Uh, class wants to know. Uh, I did a video by the way with Luke Hector from The Broken Meeple on the top 10 thematic Euro games. Um, Class said he enjoyed the video What is my favourite bone dry Entirely themeless Euro game I have lots of them I could actually probably do A top 10 my favourite games That I think have no theme whatsoever I'm going to throw a few at you now Newton Trajan Great Western Trail Loads I I mean you know Yeah I I could throw so many Themeless Euros at you um that i that i love playing so and that's another question uh that that is another question for the chat or comments afterwards let me know next questions from kyle this is related to the previous one how do i feel about music playing in the background when playing games so we don't generally have music on when we're playing games i think if there was music on i would possibly find it a little bit distracting because i'm not used to it um, so I would definitely want to have music that wasn't distracting. And Kyle says, if it has lyrics in it, it would probably be more distracting. So what about purely instrumental music? Yeah, it's not something that we ever really do. Does Mark have Gloomhaven music on when we're playing Gloomhaven? Okay. And I, I think we, myst- we had music on once when we were playing Mysterium, which was quite good. So yeah. I'm not sure. Um, Yeah as I say we we don't generally do it. Um, Schiffers wants uh, to know if I am a game designer with an unlimited budget which board game would I I design and which video game? So video game I don't know but if I was a games designer and I had unlimited time and unlimited budget then I would go back and I would resurrect my own Anno board game that I've been working on brackets, not really working on, for about the last 10 years. Uh, it would take about 12 hours to play. It would be fantastic. It would be a map that was six foot big. Basically, forget this new Martin Wallace Anno 1800 game, which I think is really good. I was working on what a game that was trying to recreate the experience of the Anno series of computer games in a lot of detail, way too much detail, and it literally would have taken 12 hours just to even play the start of the game. Um, But yeah, within enough time and enough budget that's what I'd work on. Um, Because I'm sure there'd be one person out there who would play it. Uh, David wants to know, uh, tips or recommended how-to videos for painting miniatures? Uh, David is a complete novice and doesn't own any supplies. So the first thing to do David is to get on the painting channel uh, on the Slack group because there's lots of people on there. So there's one there's one person who I would recommend and that is Mark Sorastro. I'm friends with Mark and I am a patron supporter of of Mark's. Um, Mark does amazing videos at painting. Now I will be honest with you here, some of Mark's videos are aimed at the beginner which is really good and some of them he uses a basic set of paints. But when I was getting back into painting and I was watching a lot of Mark's videos some of his videos are require a skill level which is way beyond what I have. And I actually found it quite frustrating that I, was, I watched his video like three times and then I was painting while watching his video and he makes it look easy because he's very, very good. And I'm using exactly the same paints with exactly the same brushes and exactly the same techniques and mine looks rubbish and his looks brilliant. So I got a little bit frustrated. Um, just be aware of your own skill level. And the more you paint and the more practice you get it will take time but as I say pop on the slack channel there are lots of painting channels that I've watched Sorastro is one of them but there's lots of other ones out there of people with varying skill levels um yeah more than happy to help you get into it and we can try and help you as well too many bones questions now that I have several playthroughs under my belt how would I compare and contrast true lo- true solo versus multiplayer solo? Uh, as in multi-gear lock solo, two-handing it, versus multiplayer. My opinion on that is the same as it was after the first game, and it probably comes as no surprise to regular viewers that I will always play a multiplayer game of that in preference to a solo game. I think the way that the players interact, the way that the gear lock interact with each other is a much better experience, but that is the same for me with every cooperative, with every solo game. I would much prefer to play Cooperative solo games like Spirit Island, I would I would much prefer to play Spirit Island with two or three than I would with one. It's not to say that it isn't a good solo game because I've played lots of solo games with too many bones and it's fantastic. But I think it's better with multiplayer. As for playing two gear locks myself, nope, I can't. I, c- I wouldn't be able to handle that. Uh, Tyrants easiest to defeat, most frustrating. I still don't know. I still don't know them enough. Some of them I've played two or three times, but the problem with too many bones is that. I'm only playing it once a month and in between plays I don't remember things like the Goblin King's knockback attack or um the one that has hardy you know there's lots of different tips and tricks that you learn when fighting against the different tyrants and I'm not remembering them from one playthrough to the next so yeah I don't know which the most frustrating one to fight was that is more of a question for the um again for the Slack channel the too many bones channel on the Slack channel Um, Right, Nick wants to know, something that I would like to change in my office or house to make it easier to do the work I do or stream. For example, he knows that I'm having difficulty working out lighting for streaming. Yeah, basically a bigger room and lighting. I, I have an issue with lighting. We've recently had a new overhead light fitted because the room was just too dark. And unfortunately we've been getting a lot of glare and reflections from it and we've done hours of tests and we've tried all sorts of things. And we've not managed to fix it. So yes, lighting is the biggest problem that I face. Um, Right, Nick is also saying that my last goal for the Patreon was the podcast. What is the next milestone? So yeah for those of you watching this who don't know, I said when I reached 700 supporters on Patreon I would launch the Gaming Rules podcast. So it's time to tell you about it if you don't already know about it. The Gaming Rules new podcast, because there used to be a Gaming Rules podcast years ago, uh, there is a new one. It is called The Gaming Rules New Podcast. It is now live. There are two episodes on there. Please go on and subscribe to it on whatever source you use for listening to podcasts. It is on Audible, it is on Apple, it is on Spotify. If Chris is in the chat, Chris is in the chat. Chrisy will know all of the places where it is live on. Now, The Gaming Rules New Podcast isn't any new content. I don't have time to make any new content unfortunately. What it is, It is an audio version of the video logs and this Q&A. So basically twice a month, there will be a a Gaming Rules podcast. One of them is the video log, one of them is this live Q&A. So if you're watching this live Q&A, you don't need to listen to episode four of the Gaming Rules News podcast, because all it is is just this podcast. And if you watch my Q&A, if you watch my video logs on YouTube, you don't need to listen to it. So why am I doing it? I'm doing it because a lot of people said to me, that they can't watch the video logs uh, and they can't watch the Q and A's because they don't have time to watch them on YouTube. But if they were in podcast form, they would be able to listen to them. So that's why I've done it. So for those of you uh, who would prefer to watch these Q and A or listen to these Q and A's in a podcast form, I've done it for you. Um, But I say I've done it for you, my patron supporters have done it for you. Basically, the reason why I set it at 700 is I don't have the time to manage this myself, so I have asked for some help and I am going to, I am paying somebody else to do this for me. Um, and the patron support allows me to do that. Back to the question what is my next goal? So my next goal was, I, I, I don't yet yeah, know, maybe, because at the moment the Patreon support, the Patreon campaign is growing on average by about five to ten people a month. It's currently at 700 people or is it at 750? I think it's at 750. Bear with us a minute. Have I lost track? patreon.com. I think it's 750. No it's 714. Yeah so I said when I got to 700 a month I would do that. The next goal, I, I do have another goal but I don't know when to set it at. Um, because the next goal is actually going to take me a lot of time. My next goal is I am going to do a series of videos where I go through my entire collection and I do that thing where it picks two games at random and I choose which one to keep and then that game goes into round two and then it picks two more games at random and then I pick one and it goes into round two. So basically the first video will be about three hours long and it'll be me going through my entire collection and saying, winner, loser, winner, loser. <clears throat> and then the second video should be half the length because I will then go through them again and I'll keep doing it, and I'll keep doing it, and I'll keep doing it until I get to one game. That's my idea. <clears throat> it will probably take me about three days of work to do. If you can imagine the amount of money that I will lose for taking three days off work. I want to do it because I think it'll be fun, but I also know that it's going to take a very long time to do. The first thing I've got to do is I've got to get my BGG collection up to date, and it isn't up to date. Um, I have got games which I haven't added to the collection. I've got rid of games that I haven't removed from my collection. So yeah that's the first step is to get my BGG collection up to date and keep it up to date. So yeah that's that's the idea that I've got. I just I think it would be fun. Um, With Gen Con coming up, uh, I think this is also Nick, yeah this is also Nick. With Gen Con coming up it had him thinking how much he would love to meet up with the other fellow Gaming Rules supporters. Um, Not sure what they could be called, the Groganites or the Gaming Rulesers. Do I have any plans in future within the next five years to make it back to Gen Con? Me, no. But that isn't to say that I wouldn't absolutely love it if all Of my Gaming Rules Patreon supporters that were going to Gen Con were to arrange a time and a place to meet up, take a group photo, maybe go out for a drink, maybe play some games together, that would be fantastic. If you are a Gaming Rules supporter on Patreon of mine and you are going to Gen Con, if you're on the Slack channel we have a Gen Con channel. Please post in there. If you are not on the Slack channel drop me an email, and if you don't mind me passing that email on to the other people who are going, then, as I say, it would be really really good. Imagine how I would feel if you all get together, send me a photo, send it to me and say Paul we've all met up, because that's one of the benefits of the Patreon campaign is that the number of people who have become friends with each other through the Patreon is heartwarming. So yeah, it's really really nice to see that. Right that is the end of all of the questions that I got asked, got I got I got asked in advance I was hoping that would take about 40 minutes it's taken an hour and 10 minutes now unfortunately we need to disappear at 6:30 today so I only have 20 minutes left so what I'm going to say is please no more questions for today lots of you have asked lots of questions i can see the questions that you've all been asking vicky has been copying and pasting them into here I don't know whether I'm going to get around to answering all of these. The reason is we've got to go because I'm doing Arkham Horror tonight. Um, oh, and I did say why I was going to say Jungle. Right, I'm just going to show you. I'm going to put on another view. This is the view from the overhead camera. Okay. This is this is the game set up for tonight. And the reason it's called Jungle is because we're going into the jungle tonight. We are playing the Forgotten Age Chapter 2. So, yeah, this is all set up, ready for tonight. Um, oh, the chat's gone brilliant the chat the chat will come back in a second sorry for that every time I switch over the chat disappears yeah right anyway so <clears throat> please no more questions if you do have questions for me please save them till next month hopefully the question the question, the chat's gonna come back yeah excellent right so I am now gonna go through the questions that people have been asking on the chat in advance Adam is asking how is prep for gridcon going I haven't done anything more on gridcon for the last few weeks, but at some point in the next couple of weeks uh, I need to make a decision and we need to start doing things. So yeah, prep for Gridcon is not we're not doing any at the moment, but we do need to do some. Um, Luna Bear says would I consider doing a coin game playthrough? I would absolutely do a coin game playthrough on the channel. I have played one coin game. I played the Vietnam one, Fire in the Lake, And I have a huge amount of respect for coin games. But, and I wanted to play one to see what it was like, and I've played one, and I know what it's like, and it was brilliant. But there was no point in me playing the game. And the reason is, for those people who don't know, coin games are a whole series of games set around a historical setting. And their coin stands for counterinsurgency, and it's usually four players correct me if i'm wrong for those people who who know more about it, but it's usually four players. it's very asymmetric and each player has their own particular special abilities, objectives, how they get points and everything like that. and in the one that i played, Fire in the lake, the two vietnam players were kind of together and the two non-vietnam players were kind of together. but the reason why i said there was no point in me playing it is It was a learning game, right? The whole point of me playing that game was a learning game. Okay, so the point in it, the point of me playing it was I have played the game, ticked off the box and I have learned how to play. The reason why I said it, it was pointless me playing it, which is a bit harsh, is unless you know what the other players can do, and unless you know what the objectives of the other players are, you're not really taking part in the game. So, for example, I was playing, I think it was the Viet Cong, and I did something, and I and I knew what my objectives were, and I was trying to achieve that, achieve that objective, and I grouped together a lot of my pieces in one place. And then the Americans came along and carpet-bombed me and killed all my people. Now, if I'd have known that the Americans could do that, I wouldn't have put them all in one place. So that was my mistake as a player I made that mistake. However, what I'm saying is, and I, I might be wrong on this, but if you are playing a coin game, you've got to know what all of the other players can do so that you don't make the silly mistake I made, right? And you also have to know what the other players' objectives are so that you stop them. The other thing that I did is I, I left one particular area undefended, and then another player went in and went, oh, thank you very much, that's worth like nine billion points for me. And I'm like, well, if I'd had known it was worth nine billion points for you, i would have defended it as i say this is i i last play i played this once it was about seven or eight years ago now but i love the idea of the coin games but if i wanted to do one on the channel uh i would have to basically play it two or three times before doing the video okay and at the moment whilst yeah i kind of would like to do one You are the only person that's asked me to do one recently. If all of my Patreon supporters have been saying for months, Paul we want to see you do a coin game, we want to see you do a coin game, if you think about the amount of time that I would have to dedicate to getting the game, learning the game, practicing the game, playing the game, to be ready to do a playthrough, what I wouldn't want to do is I wouldn't want to do a playthrough video of me playing a coin game for the first time because I would make the same mistakes and it wouldn't be a fair I, I don't think it would show off the game. Let's say that Fire in the Lake game that I've talked about, let's say I did that as a live stream. How many people, how many comments would I get saying, well that was a stupid stream, what was the point in that? You played terribly. Um, so I, I just I just don't want to do that really. Then again, our last 2 Mini Bones stream, we played terribly. Hmm. Okay, good question. Anyway, coin games who else wants to see me do a coin game playthrough and please don't just say yes think about how much time and effort it will take me to prepare considering all of the other games that I still have to play you know ideally I would be doing playthroughs 12 hours a day of every game that there is but I don't have the time right next do I have all of the key stuff behind me but not keeper so I'll, 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 I'll be honest with you this is a green screen okay let me just uh, let me just let me just show you Cam- camera trickery at work here. There you go. That's what's actually behind me. That's a picture from my games room, right? I am sat in the studio with a green screen behind me. I know I've, I've spoiled the illusion, haven't I? Uh, <laughs> so I don't actually know what. Why do I have all of the key stuff behind me but not Keeper? Is Keeper not there? Well, where's Keeper then? Keeper must be somewhere else. Um. Jill is asking a very very important question. Spaghetti hoops or sausages and beans? On toast. Um, Right. So you've given me a choice here Jill. A. Spaghetti hoops on toast. Or B. Sausages and beans. And I assume by sausages and beans, you mean those things that you buy that are not really sausages. I'd probably go sausages and beans. And Is a top tip. Don't put beans in the microwave or a pan. Fry them. Okay. Fried beans, the sauce goes all thick and sticky and gooey and it's really nice. Anyway, sausages and beans. Next question from Adam. What do I think is an underrated game mechanism that needs more love? Um, I'm going to skip past that one. I think I've answered that one a few times before. And the reason I'm skipping past it is because I don't don't have one. I, I can't think of an underrated mechanism that needs more love. Um, all of the game mechanisms that I can think of have been done a hundred times, so yeah. Ask me ask me on Slack tomorrow or we'll start a discussion on Slack tomorrow about it, see, see what other people can do. Banana on pizza, definitely not. Definitely not banana on pizza. Pineapple on pizza, absolutely. Banana on pizza, Uh, What do I think of the second edition of Great Western Trail? Will I be getting it even though I have the original? Great Western Trail is one of my favorite games. Am I going to be getting the second edition? Yes. Am I going to be playing through the second edition on the channel? Yes. Is the second edition better than the first edition? Yes. Great Western Trail is a fantastic, fantastic game, but the second edition has improved a couple of little tweaks. Next. Monica is saying, can, we, can, can a game have way too many classifications on BGG? Yes. And I've had this discussion um, with people on various Facebook groups over the last month, because according to BGG, Gloomhaven is classed as a deck builder. Gloomhaven is not a deck builder. But the problem with the classifications on BGG is that some people think that Gloomhaven Is a deck builder and therefore gloomhaven according to bgg is now a deck builder and it's not it's not at all so yes there are definitely if you look at some games on bgg and you look at their their mechanisms you'll be like and it lists like 20 mechanisms and it's like seriously you know somebody will probably put gloomhaven down as a worker placement game because you place your figure on a map it's, it's crazy crazy right next uh, Sean is asking, "Do I think I would make it to retirement doing gaming rules?" Well, I've already retired, Sean. I, I had a retirement party seven years ago. Um, no, to be honest, th- this is it for me now. Th- this is this is my life, this is my career. I can't see me ever doing anything else. Retirement, I don't think I'm ever actually going to retire. So. Yeah, you've got me till the end um Jill what room is this and why don't we get a vote what room is this and why don't we get a vote started to see Paul play one of these oh right okay yeah so um that was before I showed them the green screen so yeah this is I'm not actually in the game room um yeah you do get you do get votes you've had a vote this month on anachrony but it is next month I will be doing another vote uh, for my patron supporters so every every so often every few months I decided that I was going to do a thing called Cult of the Old and it's been a while since I did one so um, next month in September at the start of September I will be asking my Patreon supporters uh, which Cult of the Old game do they want to see me play and there will be a list of games that are between 10 and 15 years old possibly even older uh, and you'll be voting on which older game you want to see me play I might go back 15 years we'll see we'll see Uh, what is my favorite place to visit in Devon says Simon Oh, Devon's really nice, and there's lots of nice places in Devon. I don't know whether I have a favourite one. Um, Where's the places we like going to? I mean, we don't go out that much, to be honest. Oh, it's a good question, Simon. And thank you for popping in the chat. I can't think. I can't think. I'll tell you what, neither of us are city people, so I'm not going to say like Exeter or Plymouth. In fact, if I said Exeter, all of the Plymouth people will hate me. If I say Plymouth, all of the Exeter people will hate me. Um, It's probably somewhere outdoors. Um, It's probably somewhere outdoors, going for a walk in a park or or some woods or something like that. And I don't know whether I've got a favourite one um, because we don't go out that much. So, yeah, but it'll be something like that. Um, Marco says, how do I evaluate full potential in something... That you don't know where the designers will take it? Oh, it's, I th- I, it's a good question, I don't quite understand what the question is. How do I evaluate full potential in something that I don't know where the designers will take it? Yeah. Not sure I understand the question. Ask me later on on Slack, well not later on today, ask me tomorrow uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll go through my answer there. Um, Adam says what are my thoughts on the newer Time Stories, so we have actually played the new version of Time Stories which I think is the blue box, Um, we've played the first two because we we play tested the second one we played the first one the underwater one and then we play tested the second one, did it come out? I think it's come out, yeah the second one we we play tested Um, really like them So Time Stories is a game which the concept of it I liked, but unfortunately Time Stories started gathering a negative reputation about it. Uh, And what it's meant is, when Time Stories effectively rebooted itself with a new blue box edition, a lot of people had dismissed it. And that's a shame, because the new blue box edition of Time Stories fixes the problem that a lot of people had with the original one, which was that you kept replaying the same bit of time and therefore you had to keep going back and doing the same thing again the new version of time stories is not like that the new version of time stories is more like an adventure game and there's no repeating there's no loops now personally i didn't mind the repeating and the loops uh, i thought that was very cool because you very rarely actually repeated something in its entirety but some of the previous scenarios weren't that did have that as a problem so yeah if you are if you've been put off from time stories because of the repeating nature but you liked the idea of it go out and treat yourself to one of the new uh, the the blue box reboots there's an underwater one and there's a there's a midsummer night's dream one i think because they are they they don't do that they are they are different and they're really good yeah really like them um have we got the lego death star yet we do not have the lego death star <laughs> How do we find the timeline games? Interesting, Monica, Um, and in fact games played with kids, going back to the previous question. Timeline, I will be honest with you, is, is not a game that I will ever sit down and choose to play myself, but I think the timeline games are a brilliant idea for playing with kids because they're fun and they're educational, but they have the problem that once you've played that particular timeline game. 10 times 20 times you know it and therefore you're gonna win um but as i say i've played timeline a few times with kids and it was a great experience and i think they are really good as fun and possibly educational games um but yeah do i think helter skelter fixes the problem with wildlands have i tried helter skelter solo um Oh, I, I, I'd love to be able to give you an answer on that, because I do have Helter Skelter. I don't, I haven't played it solo. I want to play it solo. I have been wanting to play Helter Skelter solo for months, but my patron supporters vote on which solo games they want to see me play. Sometimes I do the ones that I want to play, but sometimes I ask my patron supporters. And for months and months I kept putting Judge Dread Helter Skelter on there, and it never got enough votes. So I still want to do it, and I will do it when I have time to do it, but I am influenced over what games I put on the channel from the people who make the channel possible. Um, and if my Patreon supporters vote on, like this month, the, to, to this Friday, they have voted on Anachrony. Anachrony, out of all of the games that I put on the list, would not have been my number one choice, but more people want to see Anachrony this month uh, than than any other game. So I am going to do Anachrony. That's not to say I'm not going to enjoy it. I think Anachrony is a great game and I love it. But I'm just saying there are other games that I would have wanted to do. So yeah, I do want to try Helter Skelter solo. I've not tried it. I don't know whether Helter Skelter fixes the problem that I had with Wildlands. I don't think it does because I think I've played on the cha- Yeah, I think I've played Helter Skelter on the channel and I think I played it four player. And it had exactly the same problem as I have with Wildlands. Again we can discuss this at another time although I have talked about it I think on a vlog. Um, Monica is asking print and play games yay or nay? Print Any print and play games I enjoy? So print and play games I think are brilliant and ten years ago I absolutely loved print and play games because I used to work at the University of Exeter. I had access to a colour laser printer and I'd spend my lunch breaks printing out all of these games And then I'd spend the evening sitting down in front of TV, cutting them out, making up. I'd spend like three or four days making an entire game that was available for print and play. Now I have no time to do that whatsoever. When I've got a massive backlog of games that I need to cover on the channel that I want to play, I don't have time these days for print and play games. But I think they are fantastic for the people who were in the situation that I was in ten years ago. Um, there is one print and play game that we did play called the Doomsday Machine Ultimate, Ultimate Engine, oh what was it called? Anybody in the chat knows it's a, it's a print and play game, it's a solo game where you roll dice and you fill in boxes and it's about creating this machine to try and save the world. I've got the files on my Dropbox, let me just check. Um, have I got the files on my Dropbox? Okay, so the Dropbox is opening on my other computer, on my, on my other screen. Bear with us a minute. What was it called? Somebody said it in the chat. What's it called? What's it called? Utopia Engine, that was it. Yeah, Utopia Engine. Uh, yeah, Ori, yeah, yeah. I know you've played it. Yeah, great little game, quite random, but it, it's like a little solo puzzle game where you're, you're rolling dice and you're filling in boxes and it takes about half an hour or an hour. And there's a second one as well. Um, So yeah, Utopia Engine. Go and check it out uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Definitely one we said we'd like to play again. You know if you're going somewhere and you're sat in a car park or you're going camping or something like that, um, yeah it's pretty good. Right next question. How are we doing for time? I am gonna have to be wrapping this up fairly soon. Um, Stefan, uh, exceptionally good artwork and game pieces improves an otherwise average game. Yes. Yes, it does. But as I said earlier on, it doesn't matter how good the artwork is, it doesn't matter how good the miniatures are, if the game isn't good I won't play it. But if the game is good then does exceptionally good artwork and game pieces make the game experience better? Yes, absolutely 100%. Uh, Monica says, am I thinking of fully going into board game work and retiring from my main job? Monica, (laughs) this is my main job um yeah this is this is my main job what what else do you think that i do um yeah no i this, this is this is it for me this, this is my job um gnome says why do you work on separate rule books at a time why not make a rule book queue finish one before starting the? i'd love to i would absolutely love to but it's not possible the nature of the business the nature of the industry um so for example right now uh, I'm still working on the Batman Gotham City Chronicles rulebook because there was a certain thing that we were waiting for before doing the next bit. I'm working on this ISS Vanguard rulebook. I'm working on the Hybris rulebook. Uh, we've got a... a I, I, I've done the Weather Machine rulebook, but the solo rules haven't been finished yet. So yeah, it, it's more a case of my timelines have to fit in with the publishers and the designers timelines and therefore I'm having to juggle all of these things. There is no way that I could say right I am now doing this rulebook and I'm not doing anything else. If I was to say to Vittel next week when he passes me the solar rules for Weather Machine and says right Paul I need you to do these, I can't turn around and say I'm afraid Vittel you're gonna have to wait two months. I just can't do that so I need to fit it in the schedule. What that means is that I end up working on multiple ones at a time. What I try to do is I try to say right today is the Weather Machine rulebook, however Vittel will say I'm only here for two hours today at which point I have to use that opportunity with him and then I'll say oh you're here tomorrow and he says no I'm going swimming tomorrow oh, well all right when are you back I'm back on Thursday right okay so that's why I end up multitasking effectively uh, Adam is asking what was the last game that I wanted to love but it fell flat for me uh, I'll I'll come back to that one later on Adam just because we're running out of time I'm going to highlight these and I will what I'm going to do every question that I highlight now I am going to answer uh, on the board game geek guild so vicky is going to post a link to the board game geek guild as i say if you're not on the guild please go and join up uh, it's guild number 2258 check it out make sure you join it make sure you subscribe to it and at some point possibly no not at the weekend because i've got a busy weekend maybe tomorrow maybe friday if not early next week i will go through and i will answer all of these questions that I haven't got round to answering today. I will start a thread on the guild and I will answer all of these questions. James is asking, ask Paul anything, why don't I like Mage Knights or Arkham Horror LCG? Um yeah, there are there are there are some people in the world who don't like um Mage Knight or Arkham Horror Living Card Game. Those people are technically speaking in the dictionary definition known as wrong. Um but don't worry about it. That that's fine. We can still be friends, James. We can still be friends. Can you uh, unfriend James on Facebook? Thank you. Um, honest thoughts on the Forgotten Age campaign so far. I, I, yeah, Adam, join the Arkham Horror LCG channel on the Slack group. On the Slack group, there is an Arkham Horror LCG channel. I will, I will tell you there. We've only played one game. It feels very, very punishing. Charlie wants to know if you've played it. Do I think Shogun is a good risk replacement? You're thinking about buying it so yeah charlie i will uh, if you mean shogun as in samurai swords because there is has been a there's been a new version of shogun which is a re-implementation of volenstein so i just want to make sure we're talking about the same game if you look on board game geek now for a game called shogun that is not the one that i'm talking about from the 80s the one i'm talking about from the 80s was originally called shogun but they renamed it to samurai swords And the one on BGG that's called Shogun is actually a replacement for Wallenstein. So if you mean do I think Samurai Swords is a good replacement for Risk, well I think it's better than Risk. It's far more complicated than Risk. It is is a lot more complicated than Risk. So so I'm going to say yes it's better than Risk, but it's a lot longer um, and it's a lot more detailed. Uh, Adam, how long before the new gaming rules? Twenty-four hour gaming marathon live stream. I can't do that. I, I'm afraid I can't do a twenty-four hour gaming marathon live stream anymore. My my he- health and my age wouldn't cope with it. Um, what is always my highlight of Essen? I'll I'll answer that one later on. As I say, the alarm's going downstairs and dinner is ready. So um, uh, right. Uh, Next question from Carson. Sorry, I don't don't get the question. Right, yeah, I'm not sure what that question is. You have to rework on or not. Next question is from Mark. Are we planning on our weekly Paul's random ramblings at 700 patrons? That was it. That was it. Well remembered, Mark. Okay, so when we get to 750 patron supporters, which at the current rate of growth should be the end of this year, I am planning on a a once-a-week live stream where I do a pause random ramblings where I basically pick a topic and I talk about that topic for five or ten minutes and the idea is that it isn't live because I don't want it to become an interactive chat or anything like this. I might actually still do it live but the idea is that I don't look at the chat okay I basically ramble for five or ten minutes about something that I want to talk about and and that's it. And that is that was the next goal. I'd completely forgotten that. So yeah, seven hundred and fifty patron supporters. I will be doing Paul's random ramblings, and it might be weekly or it might be every other week because I don't want to. I don't want to end up getting into a situation where I suddenly find oh my god I've got four of these to do a month. But that was that was it. Final question from Hall and Paul before we go. Before we go, shoot for a thousand supporters before year's end. No no no. I'd love to. But at a rate of growth of between about five a month, we're not. it's going to take 250 divided by five. 50, it's going to take four years. It'll take us four years to get to a thousand supporters. So, right, final question for today. What does Agamonia do differently than other games in the genre? Would it be a good solo-only experience? Right, I'll answer your second question first. Agamonia would be a good solo-only experience. The reason I'm saying that is although I would never play it solo, I would also never play Gloomhaven solo. There are a lot of people who play Gloomhaven solo, Spirit Island solo, lots of other games solo and think they're brilliant. Agamonia is in the same category. You could absolutely play Agamonia solo. What does it do differently than other games in the genre? For me, having played many games in that genre of fantasy, cooperative, narrative, etc. What it does differently is an evolving storyline that happens during the game. Imagine the Arkham Horror LCG with a board, okay? Gloomhaven, which I really enjoy Gloomhaven, but you get the mission briefing at the start, and then you play effectively what is a tactical combat game, right? There's no real adventure or story within a game of Gloomhaven, apart from what you get at the start and what you get at the end that's just my honest opinion in Agamonia you have a map but as you move across the map you reveal story points you reveal extra bits of information the story evolves as you're playing the game it feels very much like a cross between yeah fantasy cooperative because there is tactical combat in it as well but there's also this it feels very much like a role-playing game so, for example, when the players reach a certain point on the road, the GM will say, you hear a noise in the forest, off to your left, right? That sort of thing, the interactive nature of Agamonia makes it feel like, for me, you're playing a role-playing game with the GM as revealing the cards and reading out the next bit of the story to you. So, yeah, there you go. We are, we are done. We need, to ho- we need to head downstairs and get dinner because tonight there will be Arkham Horror Living Card game. If you are interested, at eight o'clock tonight, which is in one hour, 23 minutes from now, I will be playing, as you can see, I'm not gonna show it, um, the Arkham Horror Living Card game. We are playing the Forgotten Age campaign. We did chapter one a couple of weeks ago. I'm doing this every two weeks for the next four months. We're playing through the entire campaign. That's everything. Just before we go, Big thank you very much to all of my Patreon supporters. This video is obviously not sponsored anyway. GamesLaw have given me £25 worth of games vouchers to give away, but I'm not being paid at all to make this uh, to make this video. So this video and all of the other content that I'm making at the moment is only made possible through the support of the Patreon campaign. So if you like this video, please obviously give the video a like, subscribe, but please consider supporting me on Patreon. Quick thing, what I'm doing this weekend. I mentioned Arkham Horror Living Card game tonight. Anachrony on Friday. Right. This weekend is my delayed 50th birthday party. So in July 2020 I turned 50. What I normally do on a birthday is I will have a games weekend and people will come over and play games. We haven't been able to do that due to coronavirus so I'm doing it this weekend. So this weekend is my delayed 50th birthday party. Well people are coming over, Uh, we're going to be gaming all day Saturday and all day Sunday and all of those games that I'm playing are going to be live streamed, but they are only going to be live streamed to patron supporters. I will be making some or all of the videos available later on on the YouTube channel. But if you are a patron supporter of mine and you are on the Slack channel, watch out this weekend for links to the games. I'm doing it like that for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them being we don't exactly know what games we're playing yet. Okay, I know some of them. I know I'm playing now 1800. I know I'm playing Aeon's End. I know I'm playing Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, and I know that I'm playing Eclipse. They are some of the games that I'm playing this weekend, and they will all be live streamed to Patron supporters. But I don't know what games I'm going to be playing yet on the Sunday. So therefore I'm not advertising it. But basically once we've decided what game we're playing, we will set it all up. I will set the video going, and it will be live to Patron supporters. And then as I say, I'll, I'll edit the video afterwards and 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 put it up for other people to see but i won't be doing that for all of them um but for some of them so yeah if you are a patron supporter of mine and you're thinking how do i get access to these videos it will be on the Slack channel okay i'm not going to be posting links to them to the Patreon page because they will be very impromptu and ad hoc um so yeah if you're on the Slack channel you will get the links to them if you're not on the Slack channel please join the Slack channel if you don't know how to join the Slack channel get in contact with me and i can get you on there But, as I say, the videos will be going live on the channel sometime the week after. All patron supporters in the UK show up at Paul's house this weekend. No, please don't. (laughs) That would be brilliant, it would be fantastic, but we are are trying to keep it so that the house isn't overrun. We're keeping it to 12 people, Um, which should be enough. Right, is dinner ready? Dinner's not ready. Why is dinner not ready? Oh dear. Five minutes. Okay, so dinner will be ready in five minutes. Thank you very much for watching. I will see some of you later on for the Arkham Horror stream. Um, but other than that, take care everybody. Any questions you've got, let me know. Drop them as a, as a comment on this video or just get in contact with me. I'll speak to you later on. Cheers everyone!